Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on May 19th, 2013. Today's message is titled, With Jesus, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, and is based on scripture, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Before I begin, let's, uh, let's pray for, uh, for our brother Bill, who uh, we heard from earlier today. Let's uh, join together and pray for him. God, we thank you for, uh, for Bill and for, uh, Lord, even the word of challenge that he spoke to us today. God, if this man has a word for your church, Lord, I pray that we would be open to hear it. God, I also pray that you would give him wisdom to know, Lord, how to speak and when to speak to your people, uh, Lord, so that we can hear. God, we know that your spirit works in so many different ways in our lives, and um, God, it's mysterious sometimes how you work. And so I pray, God, that uh, even through uh, this moment in our service that we're not used to, uh, God, that you would use that to open our eyes and our hearts to what you have to say to us today. Amen? I do want to... Uh, to say uh, in a second, the Lord be with you, and I would like for you to say it with a lot of energy today, because I need uh, especially the Lord today. Um, as you might be able to hear, I feel like I'm talking in a tunnel. Um, our family has, three weeks ago, I came just getting over a stomach virus, and now our whole family's got the cold and all that kind of stuff. So, um, the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I appreciate your prayers for me, even as even as I preach today. When I was in uh, grade 11 and 12, when I was in high school, uh, my parents and I began to talk a lot about where I should go to college, where I should go to university. And my parents really wanted me to go to a, uh, a Christian college someplace. And so uh, over the course of those two years, we visited probably seven or eight or nine different uh, Christian schools, um, hoping that uh, I would find one that I like and, and one that I would choose to go to. Uh, so I think I applied for three or, four, three or four of these schools and began to receive uh, the acceptance letters into these schools, uh, which was great to, to know that I was accepted, but then I turned the page and saw the, uh, the financial package on the back. And uh, these schools were, you know, fifteen to $20,000 a year, and they were going to offer me a few scholarships here and there. But um, after I thought about it and, and realized that if I go to one of these schools, I'm going to finish four years of college, maybe uh, $50,000 or $60,000 in debt. And I just wasn't willing to do that. And so uh, I decided at the end of my 12th grade year that I was gonna, going to go to the University of Southern Indiana, uh, a state school, uh, didn't cost nearly as much. And, uh, and so that's where I decided to go. And I thought maybe I'd go there for a year or two and then maybe transfer to one of these other schools. So the University of Southern Indiana was a state school, and uh, if you've watched any movies or uh, maybe have an idea, you might know that the culture uh, on college campuses in the states isn't always that great. Uh, the college campuses are really a place that are known for um, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, a lot of partying, and a lot of whatever else, whatever blank you want to fill in there. And, uh, and so my parents weren't uh, excited that I was going to one of these schools, but uh, it really, they really did um, uh, affirm and support my decision. So when my parents dropped me off uh, at college, um, we walked into my apartment, and I think it was probably their worst nightmare. Uh, we walked into the apartment, and there was a big banner over the 
uh, our couch that said Budweiser, the King of Beers. And uh, over on this, uh, my the roommates, my three roommates had beat me, beat me there, and so they'd already done decorating, and so there were posters on the wall of of women who didn't have near enough clothes on. And I, I just can imagine what my parents must have been thinking. They had these hopes for me that I would go to this Christian school and be in this Christian environment, but uh, now they're dropping me off and having to leave me here uh, in this place. But uh, my roommates during that time, uh, their names were Andy and BJ and Chad. And I knew Andy and BJ from high school, and we had talked together about possibly uh, being roommates together when we went to USI. And over the course of that summer, I really felt as if God was calling me to say yes to them and to be uh, their roommate over the course of the year and to pray for them and to try to witness for Christ to them. And so over the course of that summer, I was praying about that and talking with uh, my, my Christian friends about that and really asked them to pray for me. And, um, and so as I was going into uh, this, uh, this apartment and uh, was living in this environment, I remember the very, the very first day of class, I, I stepped over four girls who were passed out drunk um, on our, our floor um, as I was going to class. And so, I mean, this is the, kind of the environment that I was in uh, for that first semester of school. But I really felt a sense that God had called me there, uh, that he had shut the doors of those other campuses, of those other schools, um, really in order for me to go to this particular school and maybe even uh, to be roommates with these particular guys. And so over the course of that time, I had a lot of opportunities to, to talk to Andy and to BJ and to Chad. Um, uh, Andy and I had some great spiritual conversations together. He, he never uh, became a follower of Christ, but BJ and Chad did. And it was uh, over the course of that semester and uh, my relationship with them and uh, relationships that they had with other Christians where um, both of them became believers. Praise God. But as I think back on that time, I, I'm really grateful that God used me in some way uh, to, to bring these two young men to Christ. But as I look back on that time, I really realize even more that God was at work in me, uh, doing a work in me during that time. And I think over the years, I've grown to appreciate that semester at school as one of the, the times in my life when I have grown the deepest in my walk with Christ when my times of prayer were the most fervent and the most consistent and the most intentional, uh, when my time reading the Word was, uh, the, most, uh, was the deepest and, and the realest, perhaps maybe at any other time in my life. The Holy Spirit at that time was not only working in the lives of Chad and BJ and Andy, the Holy Spirit was working in my life during that time to deepen me and to grow me, to make me more like Christ. This morning is Pentecost Sunday. It's the Sunday in the church year where we celebrate God's gift of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this transforming work that the Spirit of God wants to do in us. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at stories throughout the scriptures of times when God's people were transformed, were changed, because they responded to God's call to go. We're going to look at stories of times when God called people to go and to be a part of something that he was doing in the world, to go and to make an impact for the sake of the kingdom of God on another person or on another community. 
And in these stories that we read throughout the scriptures, beginning with you know, uh, Abraham and going all the way through the, the letters of Paul, we see that, that these people did go into the world and do great things for others. That God fulfilled his promise that his people would be a blessing to others through these people. But as we look at these stories over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at these stories from a bit of a different angle. Instead of looking at these stories and thinking, wow, look what God did through Abraham or Moses or Daniel or Peter. Instead, we want to look at these stories and ask, what did God do in Abraham and Peter and Paul when they were obedient to God's call? Do you see the difference? We often look at these stories and we think, wow, Paul did some amazing things and uh, Peter did some amazing things and it impacted uh, God's kingdom in great ways. But what we also see in all of these stories is that God was at work in their life. The ones who are sent, God is also working in their life to shape them and transform them into his image. When God invites us to join him in what he is doing in the world, when he invites us to to feed the poor or to go on a mission trip or to witness to a friend or to invite someone into our home, in those moments, God is not only seeking to bring about change in that other person's life. God is also seeking to bring about change in you. And that was my experience in my first semester at college. I prayed all summer long that God would do a good work through me, that he would do something good when I got there, that my friends would come to know Jesus through me, and praise God that did happen, but just as important, and what I didn't anticipate, and what I didn't realize at the time, but I've only realized when I've looked back on that time, is that what God did in me during that semester to change me and to deepen my faith. Now, most of our youth aren't here this week. They are at May Camp, uh, so it's a good time to talk behind their backs a little bit. Um, there's a, a group of youth that are going to Mexico in a few months, and God willing, God will do some great things through them. That as they go and do whatever work that uh, the Gateway team and Isaac has prepared for them, that, that God will do a good work through them. They will touch the lives of those that they encounter and the orphans there at the orphanage that they go to. But as a congregation, I want to invite you to join me in praying for our youth that their lives would be changed as they go. That they would meet God on this trip in a real and tangible way. Are you praying for them yet? Are you praying for them yet? You need to begin praying for them. Pray, of course, that God would do a good work in them, but as their spiritual aunts and uncles, we were told last week, we we are our spiritual aunts and uncles to these youth. Let's pray that God would do a good work in them as they go. One of the ways that you and I are transformed by the Spirit of God is he transforms us along the way. As we go, as we respond to him, as we serve him, God uses those times to make us like Christ. This morning is a bit of a, of a prequel to this sermon series that I'm going to be calling Transformed by the Mission. So we're talking about these stories where God's people were transformed as they were obedient to God's call. But before we ever go, 
before we ever do anything for God, before we ever join with God in his work in the world, before all of that, we need to learn to simply be with Jesus. To simply be with Jesus. Our scripture for today is from Acts chapter 4, and it's a story about Peter and John who are very obviously responding to Jesus in their life. But what has really captured my attention in this passage this week comes from verse 13. If you don't have your Bibles open, I would encourage you to open them now. Acts chapter 4. I want to read verse 13 again for us. In this story, Peter and John are before the priests, the same priests that crucified Jesus just a couple of months before. And they're standing before them, and they boldly proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. And then in verse 13, listen to what Luke says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The people listening to Peter and John that day and seeing their boldness and courage took note that they had been with Jesus. There was something about Peter and John that day that made it obvious that their words and actions did not simply come from themselves, but came from some other source. Their words and actions, in a way, were not even their own. They were words and actions of Jesus himself. They took note that Peter and John had been influenced by this man named Jesus who they crucified. I want to be a man who people look at and say, Ryan is a man who has been with Jesus. I want to be a person whose character is like the character of Jesus. I want to be a person whose words are life-giving, like the words of Jesus. Not so that I can be praised or honored, but so that Jesus can be praised and honored. I want people to experience Jesus in my life. What about you? Is that a desire in your heart? That people would see you and see that you are a person who has been with Jesus. How do we become these kind of people? How do we become a kind of person who who people look at and know that person has walked with Jesus? What kind kind of things must we do? What what work must we we do? What, What must be done in order to become this kind of person? These are questions that I want us to think about over the next few weeks. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ that was given to the church on the day of Pentecost and that is given to every single believer is alive in us and wants to make us a people like Jesus. People who live our lives in such a way that people see and notice that person has walked with Jesus. And so this morning I want us to consider this story about John and Peter, to consider the transforming work that the Holy Spirit did in their life, and to consider how we can be a people who experience that same transforming work as well. So the story that we read today in Acts chapter 4 is the story of John and Peter's arrest. In Acts chapter 3, they healed a crippled beggar who was sitting outside of the temple, 
And because of this miraculous healing, God gave Peter the opportunity uh, to preach to hundreds, if not even thousands of people that day. And we read that uh, during that time and after this healing, that thousands of people had come to know Jesus as Savior were responding to this message that Peter was preaching. And so the priests at the temple, uh, you remember, these are the, the same priests that crucified Jesus just a couple of months earlier, are obviously not very happy about this. They're concerned that the crowds are now listening to this message of Jesus' resurrection. And so they bring Peter and John in, they arrest them, and they bring them in to question them, to ask them by what authority they are doing this. And Peter and John boldly stand before these priests. And I want you to consider truly how bold Peter and John must have been. Peter and John are standing before the exact same men who had crucified Jesus. These are powerful men. Men of great influence, men who show that they are willing to murder if someone threatens their power. And yet Peter and John stand before them boldly and proclaim Jesus to them. Peter and John are transformed men. And it's important to remember that they were not always this bold. They were not always this courageous. Let's remember who Peter and John were. Uh, Peter and John, at the beginning of the Gospels, were fishermen. They were men who had no formal religious training. They were common, everyday laborers. Men who went to work every day. Uh, Men who did not have the opportunity to study the Torah like the priests did. They were common, everyday, average Joes until they encountered Christ. And what we find out in the Gospel of John is that, that somehow... The high priest actually knows about John and his family. Uh, This was something I I discovered this this past week. Turn with me to John chapter 18, verses 12 through 16. And in the story of Jesus' arrest in the Gospel of John, we find out that there is a history with John and the high priests. John chapter 18, I'm going to read verses 12 through 16. It says, Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Uh, These are the same names of the people in Acts chapter 4. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Uh, In this story, we see that John somehow is known by the high priest, so much so that the high priest lets him into uh, this interrogation that they're going to have of Jesus. Somehow, uh, we don't know how, but The priests know John. Maybe they're familiar with his family. Maybe John's parents were supporters of the temple. Maybe they were just faithful Israelites who often went to the temple. We don't know. But we know that this priest knows John. He knows his background. He knows his character. He knows that he was just a fisherman. He knows that John was never formally trained in the scriptures. The priests know who John is. He's just a common, everyday guy. And it is because they know where John comes from. It's because these priests know 
that John is just a common everyday guy, that they are amazed at the boldness and the courage of John and Peter. Peter and John are common everyday men. They were not always men who people would have looked at and said, those men have walked with God. But something in them has changed now. Not only were they common everyday fishermen, but we also need to remember in the Gospels that Peter is one who has denied Jesus three times out of fear for his own life just a few weeks earlier. And now he's standing boldly before the same men who crucified Jesus and is proclaiming Christ crucified and resurrected. This is a man who has been changed and transformed. What has happened to this man? He is a man who has been with Jesus, who has spent time with Jesus, and the book of Acts says who is now filled with the Spirit of Jesus. Turn back to Acts chapter 4 and look in verse 8. Before Peter says any words at all to the priest, he, he reminds, Luke reminds us that Peter is a man who is filled with the Spirit. It says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, this man, that this man stands before you healed. Peter in his life was a man who experienced great failure. At the moment of trial and testing in Peter's life, he failed. He disappointed Jesus. He disappointed his Lord at the moment when he needed him the most. But we know in the gospel stories that a few days later, after the resurrection, Peter experienced grace. Jesus forgave Peter for his failure. Peter received the grace of Jesus in his life after he had failed Jesus, after he had betrayed Jesus. And for some of you today, uh, that may be one of the things that is holding you back in your walk with God, holding you back from being transformed by the Spirit in the way that God wants you to be, that maybe you haven't really experienced the grace of God in your life. When you think about your life, when you think about your sin, when you think about uh, the things that you have done, maybe you don't think that God has really forgiven you in Christ. And because of that, there's this this block that you are not able to receive that grace and to receive what Peter received, that transforming work of the Spirit in his life. It was because Peter failed and received the grace of God that he was then able to respond with great joy and hope and boldness in his preaching. Peter is a man who has experienced the grace of God after his failure, and that is one of the things that makes him so bold. We know in the book of Acts that Peter has also had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was filled with the Spirit, and he's now a man who is living his life in dependence on the Spirit. No longer living according to his own strength, no longer living according to his own wisdom, wisdom. Peter is now a man who is filled with the Spirit. 
So the question for us today is, how do we become a people who are filled with the Spirit? How do we become a people who no longer live according to our own strength or our own wisdom, but live as a people who are dependent on the Spirit of God who is in us? The answer to that question is that we spend time with Jesus. Being filled with the Spirit is not something that we can conjure up on our own. It's not some emotion that we try to conjure up in our hearts or in our minds. Being filled with the Spirit is a work that God does in us as we spend time with Jesus. The men who are listening to Peter and John that day took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John are now men of boldness and courage, empowered to speak words of life because they had been with Jesus. I think that each of us who are here want to be a people who are transformed by the Spirit to be like Christ. We want to be a people who others see and they say, that person has been with Jesus. And as we close today and as we think about how we are people who can be filled and transformed by the Spirit, there are two things that I want to say today about what it means for us to be with Jesus. And first, and this is most important, that being with Jesus is done through prayer. We must abide with Jesus in prayer. I don't know about you, but I often feel like an infant in prayer. I pray quite a lot in my life. I spend a lot of time in prayer, but sometimes I feel like nothing at all is happening. Sometimes I feel like my words don't go past my own mind. So if you feel like that when it comes to prayer, you're not alone. Your pastor feels like that often as well. But what I'm learning is that God is at work in me when I come to him in prayer. God is working to change my heart when I pray. When I look back on my life, there's certainly been times when my prayers have been answered, but really what has kept me praying is knowing that when I look back on my life, I see that over the course of the last year or three years or five years or ten years that God has changed me as I have prayed. I have sought to be with Jesus. I've sought to abide in him, and through that, God has done a work in me. There are parts of my character the way that I relate to my wife and my kids. There's healing that has been done in my life that has helped me to overcome temptation in my life. All of that has come by being with Jesus. Again, I feel like I don't understand prayer well. I feel like I don't do it very well. By praying and spending time with Jesus, the Spirit has, by God's grace, made me more like Christ. I have a long way to go. There are many parts of my character that are not like him. So many ways that I still live my life as a pastor, as a, as a husband, just as a person, as if I were in control, as if everything depended on me. But I keep praying in, in faith and that as I pray, that Jesus will teach me more and more about what it means to abide in him, to be a person who is dependent on the spirit in my life rather than dependent on my own strength. Does that make sense in your own prayer life? Are you ever frustrated in your prayer life and wonder, what is going on here? Why am I even praying? I feel like I've prayed about this thing or uh, this thing has just never happened or I never see any results. I want to say to you that 
Even if you aren't seeing results from your prayers, God is at work in you as you pray. He is making you more and more the kind of person that he wants you to be as you abide with him. This is the first step in our transformation. If we want to become like Jesus, we need to spend time with Jesus in prayer. The second thing is that we, as we learn to be with Jesus in prayer, we need to learn also to respond to him, to obey him, to hear his voice, and to take action. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about two different kinds of builders, a wise builder and a foolish builder. And the wise builder is the one who hears the word of God and does what? Hears the word of God and puts it into practice. The foolish builder is the one who hears the word of God and ignores it. And if we want to be a people who are transformed by the Spirit into wise people, we will be a people who pray, people who spend time with Jesus in prayer, who learn to abide with Jesus and hear his voice, and a people who respond to Jesus, who do what he says, who say yes to him and who take action. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 3 and 4 in the lives of Peter and John. They are men we see in these first few chapters of Acts who are spending a lot of time in prayer, are abiding in Jesus. They've been with Jesus, and Jesus has told them that they are to be witnesses now in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Peter and John aren't simply praying and being content with that. They want to hear the voice of God and respond to it. Peter and John are acting, not out of their own decision, not out of their own plans. They are acting in response to the word of Jesus in their life. Peter and John have heard the voice of God in their life, and now they are acting on it. They are responding. And we see in this story that as they respond, God is making them bold. As they respond, God is giving them courage. As they are acting, God is giving them the words to speak. God is transforming them as they respond to his call. We need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus in our life through prayer. And we also must be willing to take that next step in responding to his word in our life. And it is in hearing the word of God and in responding to it that the Spirit of God does his transforming work in us. And that's what we're going to discover over the next few weeks as we look at these different stories of uh, men and women who have responded to God's call. We're going to see that they are people who spent time with God, who recognized the voice of God, and who acted, who responded. And it's when they responded, it's when they went and did what God told them to do, that the transforming work was done in them. So let us pray together. God, we, we thank you for the work of the Spirit in our lives. We thank you that because of the Spirit, we can come to you, or that we can come to know you, or that we can hear your voice. God, I ask that for each one of us, wherever we are in our walk with God, maybe some of us have, have grown cold and have become apathetic toward you. God, I pray that your Spirit would make us alive. God, for some of us who uh, have been abiding with you maybe for a long time, have been listening for your voice and are, are hearing your voice, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to respond, to say yes to when you call us. 
God, and I pray that as we abide with you and as we obey, Lord, that you would do whatever work in us that you want us that you want to do. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.